Hello. Thank you for listening. Really quick, I would like to address that you are listening to one of our first episodes. We did not really know what we were doing as far as sound or banter. So if this is where you're starting, please be gentle. If you want to go to an episode that sounds more like what our podcast will actually sound like, I would suggest listening starting at about episode 8. Or if you want to jump to one of our favorite episodes, those would probably include Brandon Tina, Tyler Hadley, Chicago, D.B. Cooper, or the Black Eyed Kids episode. There's a bunch of others, but those are probably the faves. So if you're going to start here, though, just please know that this is not our greatest work, but it does get better. Thank you for listening. Creepy Life Podcast, the podcast for all things creepy. I'm Thomas. I'm Sparky. And I'm going to say this is the fourth time we've recorded the introduction, and you've done it differently every single time. Yeah, I do that. Cool kid. Yep. Before we start with our story today, we were looking at our stats. We have listeners in nine different states and a total of three different countries. Woohoo! That's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's insane, honestly. I don't know anyone in Australia. And there's a couple of people in France apparently listening. I kind of know one person in France, but that's crazy that there's more than one. And there's people all over the United States listening to us, which is yeah, great. So that's, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. It's really amazing. Just in, what, five weeks we've been releasing episodes? I think four, because we released three the first week. That's right, four weeks. Quarantine's got my mind all gone, because all I know is I, I go to work, and I come home, and I don't even know what day it is anymore. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Yes, thank so you. So much for listening. So much. And we've got a few reviews on iTunes, which is awesome, and that is a really great way for people to find our podcast. So if you are enjoying what you hear, we would really appreciate if you would go and review us. And yes, every single podcast says this, but it's because it does help. So if you could go and rate us and write a review, if it's five stars, we'd like that the best. If it's not, send us an email, tell us what we can fix. But anyway, write us a review. When we get to 10 reviews, we're going to do a bonus episode. And now these are written reviews, not just ratings. Yes. Although we do appreciate ratings. It's awesome that you think we're good enough for that many stars. But the the written reviews really give someone something to, oh, they do this or, oh, they do that. This person really liked that. Maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. There was one person that was like, oh, don't let the name fool you. This podcast is fun to listen to. I was like, what, you don't like creepy life? Is that not your thing? Like, I like things that are creepy. I I like things that are creepy. There are so many... That's why we're here. Yeah, there's so many things in history and now that... And even, you know, in folklore that's just creepy. But for real, write us a review if you can. We'd appreciate it. But it has to be in iTunes for it to count towards our bonus episode. So we've got, I think, just one right now. And definitely join our Facebook group because we're going to let you guys decide what our topic is. Yeah. And we have a Facebook page, too, which you can find the group from there. And that's almost at 100 likes, too. Yes. Yeah, so it's so popular. 
<laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, cool. So thank you again. Yes, thanks so much. So last week, I gave you guys the story of the Valley of the Headless Men, and now it's Sparky's turn. So Sparky, what are you going to tell us Did today? Did you want to talk about what your cousin told you about the Valley of the Headless Men? That's right. My cousin texted me after listening to The Valley of the Headless Men, and he wanted to tell me the one explanation that I completely overlooked. And that was, the reason that everyone was being decapitated was because of the Highlander. Yep. <laughs> so, moving along. Moving along. Sparky, what story are you going to tell us today? I'm going to tell a story that's really weird. I'm actually going to give you two stories today. One's really short. And the really short one was the one I originally was going to look up that I had on my list. And then there's like maybe two minutes worth of content there. But that case was started because of another case. So I looked that one up and there's a lot to it. So the double story you're going to get today is about Mark Sparnes and Carlina White. I have no idea who either of those people are. They didn't either. Dun, dun, dun. Shocker. Spoiler alert. Not really. Okay. Before we start... I was rereading some things about other podcasts that got in trouble for plagiarism. So these are my sources really quick. I used CNN, a whole bunch of YouTube, the New York Times, Wikipedia, something called The Weekly Challenger, and something called CT Post, as well as a Facebook page that was interesting. Interesting. But I will post all my sources in the notes. Oh, also two podcasts I listened to, Nefarious New York and Crime in Color. Cool. All right. This is a wild tale. So pay close attention because it's going to get confusing. So Nedra Nance was raised in Connecticut by her mom and Petway. And her real name's like Anugeta, Anugeta. I don't know how to say it. Interesting. If anyone listening knows how it's pronounced, please write us. When Anne told her family that she was pregnant, she went to New York because she said she wanted to get the best care and give birth there. And then she brought the baby back to Connecticut. And she eventually also had a son when Nedra was 10. And Nedra also goes by Nettie, so if you hear me going back and forth between those two, Nettie was her nickname that she chose later in life. So when she was a teenager, when Nedra was a teenager, she started to notice that she didn't really look like her mom at all. And she started to suspect that Anne might not be her real mom. When she would ask about it, she was kind of dismissed, like, oh, no, don't worry about it, like kind of things. And then at 17, she became pregnant and she wanted to get her birth certificate so she could get insurance, prenatal care, whatever. And she asked Anne for it, for proof of identity. And Anne blew it off, said she would take care of it. And she didn't. So Nedra went looking for it and she found a Connecticut birth certificate, which it shouldn't have been from Connecticut if she was born in New York. But so she brought it to the officials, and I don't know what the officials are, but officials. And they told her it was a forgery. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So she confronted Anne, and she said, you know, hey, this was forged. What's the deal? And Anne said that she didn't have a birth certificate because she wasn't her biological mom. So she finally tells her the truth. And that she said she had been received from a drug addict who abandoned her. So she's claiming that she, like, just found her, basically. Either that or it's like those old tales where the baby's left in a basket on a doorstep. Yeah. Or you just send it down a river. That worked in the Three Stooges movie. <laughs> anyway, so there was kind of like a gap in the timeline. I don't really know. I looked at a whole bunch of places for this, as you could hear from my sources. And at some point, Nedra moved to Atlanta, and that's when she started to call herself Nettie. And she started to do some research... And she came across the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children website. Remember, at this point, she had had a child, mm-hmm. and it was her daughter. She found a picture of an infant that really looked like her and looked like her daughter. 
And everybody said that her daughter looked just like her. So the plot thickens. The plot thickens. So she called the hotline on the website to get the information to contact her biological family. And she submitted a DNA test, but she didn't even wait for the results because as soon as she like saw them and got a hold of them, she was like, I know this is my family. Because if you look at pictures of them, and we'll post a picture of the family, she looks like just like her parents. So it's very obvious that they are related. Hmm. And people would say that she looked like her mom when she was a baby, now like her dad. But she had not been given up for adoption. She was stolen from them. Dun, dun, dun. The plot thickens even further. So Nettie was born Carlina White in July of 1987 to Joy White. I kept writing Joy Turner because of my name is Earl. <laughs> but Joy wow. White, who was 16, and Carl Tyson, who was 22. Which, if you're 22, don't date a 16-year-old because that's gross. What time was this? In the 80s. Back in those days, it was way more common. Yeah, my parents started dating before that, and they have a huge age difference, and my dad waited until they were 18 to start dating because he didn't want to go to jail. So people still knew it was creepy. Just saying. I know a lady that got married and she was 13, and her husband was in his 20s. Ew. Yeah, he always said it was because she was from an abusive family, and he was trying to rescue her from it. He didn't. He claims that he didn't, like, force things on her until she was older. He forced things on her when she was older. Not really forced, just... I know what you mean, I'm just yeah. being Okay, anyway. When Joy had given birth, I guess there were some complications during delivery, and Carlina, the baby, had swallowed some fluid and got an infection. And so at 19 days old, they took her to the hospital. It was Harlem Hospital. She had a high fever and was put on antibiotics through an IV. And she was being monitored by the nurses and doctors. And so her parents went home to get a change of clothes and get some rest. And, you know, you leave your baby at a hospital, you assume it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But this is the 80s, so. Security wasn't quite as great as it is now. I can't imagine this happening now, although. It, it probably does. Well, it's creepy. This is kind of like some serial killer type planning here. Between 2.30 and 3.55 a.m. on August 5th, the IV was removed. It was during a shift change. A bunch of people were getting off their shifts. More people were coming on. A heavyset woman dressed as a nurse took Carlina away under a heavy smock. And no one seemed to notice. They didn't seem suspicious. And it was Anne Petway who raised her as hers. She'd been disguising herself as a nurse for weeks. So the staff thought that she was supposed to be there. So yeah, when you said serial killer planning stuff, yeah. Like how a serial killer can sometimes stalk their victims for weeks before they actually attack. This woman is in a hospital pretending to be a nurse uh-huh. to the point that people see her and think oh she is a nurse she's supposed to be here yeah it reminds that... me of um i don't remember the name what was it the the nurse that would kill people the old people do you remember who i'm talking about i, I know who you're talking about but i cannot think of the there's name. someone screaming at their their phone right now yeah probably but anyway yeah like i don't know how you like you could get in there and just like snoop around and not do anything for weeks at a time so i'm really wondering how she pulled that off this this honestly reminds me i remember there was a serial killer i cannot think of his name but he was either a doctor or a nurse and he was killing people and then to keep lawsuits from happening the hospitals would quietly fire oh, him yeah, and then he would guy. just go to another hospital mm-hmm. which is great which is great <laughs> Yeah, nice and responsible so hospitaling. Gl- so glad they do throw background checks on medical professionals now. Yeah. Back to the story. So, Anne had stolen the baby because she recently had a miscarriage. Apparently she had had several. And she was mourning for the child. And she was suffering from, sounded like quite a few mental illnesses. Which is not an excuse to do things. 
Mm-hmm. But it's sad. She also later admitted that she used cocaine from 1983 to 2005, which, number one, she said that the baby was given up by a crack addict. So, hypocritical. And number two... I'm pretty sure that would affect her decision-making. Yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just hyper much? Right. Um, So when she kidnapped Nedra, as she started calling her, she took her back to Connecticut on the train and raised her as her own, telling family that she'd given birth. And like they said in articles, she was kind of more heavyset, so it was easier to believe that, oh, maybe she had just given birth, and maybe we didn't notice that she was pregnant because she was bigger, which is rude, but... There was a story in this hometown about a lady who, she was kind of tomboyish, always wore men's clothing, and they were always baggier, and she was heavier set. And apparently, she had to go to the bathroom really bad one day, thought she was, like, constipated. Turns out she was pregnant, never realized it, and she was going to labor. That show freaked me out so much as a child. And I've read, like, things online, like, that was, um, I didn't know I was pregnant. Yeah, or whatever. They've, they've done other things. Like- because I was, you know, always convinced that... I was like the next Virgin Mary, and I was just going to randomly have a baby at any given moment. (laughs) Wow. Apparently, I wasn't the only one, though. But anyway. (laughs) Okay, Ben. Sidebar. So, when Carlina came up missing, her family posted a $10,000 reward for her return. They put up wanted posters with the description of the woman that the hospital suspected it was. And they interviewed someone that... They thought matched the description, but it wasn't right. So Joy and Carl, the parents, sued the hospital for $100 million in 1989, and they received a settlement of $750,000. So not even even, 1% of what they asked for. But but at the time, that's... It's still a lot. I'd take that. Yeah, that's a nice... That would wipe away all of my debt. That's a nice chunk of change. Mine too. (laughs) So that was in 1993 they got that settlement. Hey, that's a good year. No, it's not. Yes, it is. That was the year where the devil came into existence. I'm not the devil. His eyes just started glowing red. Hey, see my hair? It hides the horns. It's fine. Oh my gosh. So after they got the $750,000... I was going to say, if they were asking for over, like, what? What was the original? $100 million. $100 million and they got $750? <laughs> I would be a little upset. That's just me, though. Okay, this is a serious problem that I've had since I was little. I I don't know if there's, like, a certain way to just be dyslexic for numbers, but I have so much trouble reading even dates. I have to read them really slowly. When I was a cashier, I struggled so much being like, your total is wide-eyed, like, deer in headlights. (laughs) It's a struggle for me. Yeah, in all honesty, um, when it comes to dates, you know, I, I absolutely love history. I read it most every day. I'm reading some article about some event. I have a tendency when I'm talking about it to mix up 18 and 1900. I've noticed. You tell me some really interesting stories. Yeah, I'll be talking about the American Civil War and I'll be like, well, you know, in 1964, and I'm like, wait, that's not right. (laughs) From their $750,000 settlement they got, they each took 163,000. They were split up at this time, apparently five years after she disappeared. They'd split up and they got remarried other people. So there was 424,000 left. See, I told you it's hard for me. They put that in a trust fund. And if Carlina was found by the time she was 21, she would get that money. However, she didn't start researching and figure it out until she was 23. So Uh, because, I know. Bummer. I know. Because she wasn't found by that point, they assumed she never would be. That's a long time. That's almost 21 years. Mm Mm-hmm. They split the money 
and they spent most of it because they're adults. They probably had debt, you know, through life. And I think... Or they really wanted a Ferrari or something. I know that... I don't remember who, but one of them, I think the mom had some other kids. So they had their own families, you know. Yeah, and then, you know, college funds are pretty common. After the truth came out... Carlina went to spend some time with her biological family, and Anne Petway was on the run and because she's in trouble for kidnapping a child. She was recognized at a pawn shop, and she turned herself in in January of 2011. It was not a long time that she mm-hmm. was on the run. The state of New York, the statute of limitations, had expired on kidnapping, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that but does seem really ridiculous. The federal statute of limitations had not expired so on february 17th 2011 she was indicted on a kidnapping charge for kidnapping carlina and then i had to reread this multiple times on wikipedia to get the dates right because it's february 17th of 2011 is one date and then it's february 10th of 2012 so i was like why did they put them in the wrong order i was thinking it was the same year anyway Almost a year later, on February 10th of 2012, she pled guilty to a federal kidnapping charge, and she got a plea deal, of course. The minimum sentence should have been 20 years. What'd you get? Do you want to guess? Five? No. That's what I would have guessed, though. The judge recommended that she serve 10 to 12 and a half. And Joy, Carlina's mom, felt that that wasn't long enough. She said that she should have at least 23 years because that's how long she took away from her, from her daughter, which I think is fair. Yeah. But in July of 2012, this judge sentenced her to 12 years. And she is currently serving in Aliceville, Alabama until 2024. And this is the longest known non-parental abduction of a child being reunited with parents in the United States. That's pretty awesome, though. Yeah, it is. So both her biological parents are still alive. Yes. And she was able to have a relationship with them. The story's not over yet, though. In 2011, Carlina went to visit her biological family, like I told you. And Joy said that it was wonderful when she was there. Like, she just was so happy that she finally got to, like, be with her daughter. She got to meet her siblings and other family members that she didn't know existed. But apparently four days later when she left, she had kind of had a change in her attitude. Which, according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children... There's a cat trying to get through the door. So if you hear any scratching, it's just Shadow. She's annoying. She's annoying, but I love her. I do too. According to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, it is very common for children meeting their biological families to kind of be overwhelmed by it. And they just feel kind of strange because they've grown up with another family that's to them in their brain, that's their family. So subconsciously trying to adjust to new family members is very hard on them and a lot of times it's hard for the parents too because they also subconsciously kind of think like they're going to get their child back at the same age so you're kind of thinking oh i'm going to get my baby back and that's obviously not what's going to happen and i can only imagine that it's really hard on both ends of that although happy you know something you're going to have mixed emotions about so there's an interview on YouTube, and if you're interested in this case, you want to learn more. It's a four-part interview done by a radio station, and it was really interesting because it was the first interview Carlina did after all this had surfaced, so it was two months later. Apparently, she had been denying requests for interviews up to this point because she was feeling, like, super overwhelmed, which I don't blame her. In that interview, she said she planned to keep in touch with most of the Petway family, but had not contacted Anne since the DNA test. 
I can't say I blame her. No. I mean, the others didn't exactly know she was abducted. Mm-hmm. She was raised as, this is family. So I, I could see that. If they had been in on it, mm-hmm. I could see her having a different viewpoint. Yeah. And I don't think Anne ever said anybody else was involved, and they all said that they had no idea. So hopefully that is the case, because that would be awful. And... They all said they still consider her family, even though she's not blood-related, which is good. I mean, we all have those those close family friends that, you know, oh, this is my uncle, who's not really my uncle, just right. a family friend. So Carlina's lawyer advised her to ask about the trust fund money. Apparently, because the money had been spent, there was a large falling out between Carlina and her parents. Carlina claimed in an interview, the one that I was just telling you about, that it wasn't about the money, and she said if it was, she would have come forward before she turned 21. Which makes sense, because that's when the fund expired, but if she didn't do her research until 23, she would have known anyway. I don't know. I'm not blaming her either way of the story, because I think if I was adopted, I would want to find my biological family anyway, just to know my kind of history. But it's kind of a bummer, regardless. Yeah. The parents said they needed money for themselves, and they put the money in there for her, but they didn't think she was coming back, like I said. And even though Carlina says it's not about the money, Joyce still thinks the falling out was about the money. Just sad. Carlina also stated in an interview that she wanted to dispel rumors that she'd been treated badly. She said that Anne raised her with love and she never was hurt in any way, which is good. But there was another, like, news clip I watched where I think it was, like, her aunt or godmother said that when they met and they were all like, oh, we're a hugging family, come here. Carlina said to them that she never got hugs like that. So, which doesn't necessarily mean she was abused, but... No, I mean, my mom described her grandparents that she didn't see very much as... Her grandma was very, maybe one hug the entire time, whereas her grandfather was very, very huggy. So, I mean, some people are really uber affectionate. Some people are just, here's a hug, it's only a formality, get away from me. Especially after this, I assume that'll... After quarantining forever... Oh, I'm, I'm never going to accept a hug from anyone who's not like I'm going to climb like on to every family. single person that I see. You're just going to attack with hugs. Mm-hmm. COVID-19's finally cured. I can touch people again. Hug time! <laughs> no, that's not me. See, this... this that's me. Social distancing is how I want to live my life for the rest of my life. Close family and friends, yes, I will get close. But if I see a friend, I don't care how close I really am to them. One hug is enough. One hug is enough. I'm not that much of a huggy person. Story. Doesn't mean I don't love them. Doesn't mean I don't, you know, if you're listening, doesn't mean I don't love you. I'm just introverted and standoffish. That's for sure. Anyway, she said she'd never gotten hugged like that, whatever. According to one source, Petway was also apparently abused as a child. So some people thought that because of that, you know, there's generally a cycle. If someone's abused as a parent, they will go on to abuse their children. But Carlina says that didn't happen, so hopefully that did break the cycle. So she's now going by Carlina instead of... I was just going to get to that. My next point, she has decided to go by Nettie because neither Nedra or Carlina feels right. Carlina is her legal name officially, Carlina White, but she goes by Nettie because she picked it for herself, which I think is fair. Although I think Carlina is a really pretty name, just saying. As of 2014, she still has a relationship with her biological parents, so I don't know if they made up. I couldn't really find that anywhere. It seemed like they'd kind of like, they still talk, but I don't know. I couldn't, I looked for a long time. I couldn't find anything more recent than 2014. They could be in contact, have a good relationship without being like the traditional parents and child relationship. More like friends, you know? I didn't meet you till I was in my 20s, so. 
Yeah, no. I can't. I really can't imagine. We we can be friends, but I don't think I can ever really view you as you know as parents. And I don't know. I couldn't find like I said if she ever caught up with Anne Petway or if she ever contacted her again. I would be really interested to know if she did. But she also wanted to state that, like I said, I found a Facebook page that at first I thought was um, Carlina White, but it appears to have just been a page that like was using her name and picture and had just like copied everything from Wikipedia and was doing separate posts. <laughs> but she wanted to let people know that that wasn't actually her. So if you see things online, it's probably not actually her. Interesting. If you know her, she'll probably add you. <laughs> Otherwise, leave her alone. Um, but in 2012, there was a movie made about her. A bunch of people had contacted her for movie rights. It was called Abducted, the Carlina White Story, and she was portrayed by Kiki Palmer, who... Really? Yeah. I recognized a couple of her credits. You're making a face. I'm trying to... I know she was in a movie with Lawrence Fishburne, I think, if I'm thinking of the right actress. That is one of the worst last names. Fishborn. Well, he's an amazing actor, so... I don't care. <laughs> I would just... I would really hate that. Some people, you know, thought that because of the movie, that it was another reason, like, oh, this is just for money or whatever, but like she said in her interview, she kind of held off on a duck for quite a while because she wanted to wait until she kind of had her head wrapped around everything. So after Carlina had made this big discovery, as far as I know, she was the first person to, like, find herself who was missing... No, which is really cool that she was able to do that. But in 2011, after this, another adopted person became curious about his roots. So his name is Steve Carter, and he lived in Philadelphia. He wanted to start a family and was curious where he came from because he knew he was adopted at age four from an orphanage in Honolulu. But he didn't really know how he ended up there, so he wanted to figure it out. So he saw the story. He went to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children website, and he found an age-progressed picture of himself. And he looked at it, and he was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Which would be, that would be so weird. Yeah, that would be chilling. Yeah, right? And it really does. It looks a lot like him. We'll post that picture, too. But, like, I did think it... I always wonder, like, how they choose, like, hairstyles for age-progressed pictures. Because this guy, I think he's some kind of a salesman. They had, like, kind of surfer hair on him in the age-progressive picture. Wow. Which I thought was really funny. But the face really does. It looks a lot like him. So he contacted the Honolulu police, and they did all the uh, work. And he submitted a DNA test, and he found his real identity. And his real name is a mouthful. Marks Panama Moriarty Barnes. When you said Honolulu and you said it was a mouthful, I was thinking like a traditional Hawaiian name. No. But wow, yeah, that yeah. that's something. So apparently his father, Mark Barnes, had reported him missing when his mom, Charlotte Moriarty, took him out for a walk and never came back. It was suspected she took him to the orphanage and said that his name was Tesman Amia. I don't know. But that was never verified, I guess. But I don't know where that came from. Anyway, so he's contacted his family, but he said it's not like you see on TV where you figure out who they are, you call them, and the next day you're together and hugging everybody. And it was hard to find updates on him because as far as I know, he was still going by Steve Carter, and that's a very common name. So it was hard to find an update for him. But his mother was still not able to be found, which is probably good because, you know, the federal kidnapping charges but steve carter said he's still happy about it because he was able to find his family so and i think it's just really cool that because of carlina white's story he realized oh i probably have a some kind of something in my background too and he was able to look that up and figure it out which is just really neat makes you wonder because there are a lot of orphans Mm -hmm. 
that, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of them that it's completely legal, parents show up, you know, we can't raise this kid, you know, sign it away, and when they look at their records, there's their parents' name, but then there's others that are very kind of, I don't know, suspicious. Mm -hmm. Here, I found a kid, I'm leaving now. There's like, aren't there like nunneries or whatever where they've got like a Dropbox for babies pretty much? No, I'm serious. I'm imagining like a Dropbox like mail carrier, just kind of like in the library. Stick it in, <laughs> stick it in the slot. They just they all sit in a bin until no, the nun comes around. It's more like um, there's like a door you open and put it in there, and then the, an alarm goes off, and they come and get the baby from the other side. I don't know, but yeah, I, I wonder how many people who are adopted have similar stories and just are completely unaware. Because at least with Steve Carter, he knew he was adopted. You know, so his adopted family wasn't lying to him about that. Unlike Carlina White. I've, I've kind of wondered something. I know I have an ancestor. It would be a, a very distant uncle who had a child with his wife and then he was killed. And after that, the child disappeared. The wife mm. never had a child, quote unquote. But he wrote about it in his journals. And his brother wrote about his nephew in his journals. Both of them died during the American Civil War. The kid just vanished. I almost wonder if because of who this ancestor was associated with, which side after the war and everything, if it was just kind of a, you deserve a better life here. That's interesting. I don't know. I figured the story counted as creepy because it would be pretty much any new parent's nightmare, (laughs) I would think, to like... Oh, I left my baby at the hospital, went home for some rest, and came back, and my baby is gone. That, that is creepy. The whole, I'm going to stake out a hospital, and yeah. I'm going to abduct a child, but I'm going to make sure all the staff thinks I'm really supposed to be there first. That gave me the chills when I read that the first time. I was like, seriously? This is, like, seriously what a serial killer would do. Yeah, that is really creepy. I think she had, like, I don't remember for sure, but it was, like, schizophrenia or some other, like, kind of, like, serious mental diagnosis. Either, like, either that or the coke really affected her. It's probably the coach. Yeah, probably a mixture. But anyway, so yeah, that's my story for the week. That is interesting. Makes you think, doesn't it? It does. I I had never heard of either of those stories. Lucky you. Yeah. I don't know where I heard about because, like I said, Steve Carter was the one I originally wanted to do, but there's hardly any information about him. And I don't know where I found that one. But when I was researching him, I said, due to the Carlina White story that had recently happened, I was like, oh, who is that? <laughs> and back and I looked at that and I was like, oh, wow, there is a lot to unpack here. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. If there's anything you want to tell us, recommend to us, our email is creepylifepodcast at gmail.com. And I'm going to put a link in the description that will bring you to pretty much all of our pages, Facebook, Instagram. Definitely like our Facebook page, join our Facebook group. If you like our podcast, don't be shy about telling all your friends and family that listen to podcasts about it, or even if it's... Make them listen to podcasts. Do not give them a choice. You have to listen to this one. Well, what I was going to say was, even if it's someone that doesn't really listen to podcasts, but maybe has a little bit of interest in it, maybe, hey, you know, you should check this out. If you like us, and you're weird, and you have dark humor like us, whatever, remember to rate and review. Once we get to 10, we'll do a bonus episode on something creepy. And yes, we will take multiple topics, we will put it on the group and have a poll, and then you guys get to decide what our bonus topic will be. Thanks for listening. Yep, thanks for listening. Stay creepy.